Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode of This is the Author, meet comedian Maeve Higgins, poet Fatima Askar, and psychologist Mitch Ablett. You'll go on a journey of personal enlightenment with these authors as they talk about everything from being an immigrant to how writing is a way of thinking and how we can better understand ourselves and our patterns in order to find happiness. Plus, perhaps our new favorite answer to who an author's dream narrator would be, if not herself. Hint, he's blue and has a major sweet tooth. Enjoy. Hi, this is Maeve Higgins, and I am the author of Maeve in America. I moved to America four and a half years ago. I am Irish, as you can probably hear from my accent, and I wrote it because for me, writing is a way of thinking, and living in America at the moment makes me think about so much. It's a fascinating time. It's a painful time to be here, um, but it's interesting, and I think that we're all really growing. (laughs) So to figure that out, I wrote this book, which is all about America, and it's about Ireland, and it's about me and what it's like to be a woman today. It's a collection of essays, and I think they're funny. I'm a comedian, too. I write for the New York Times, and some of the essays started off as columns there, and then others just started off when I was, like, walking my dog in the park and couldn't stop thinking about something, so had to figure it out on paper. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be confronting. (laughs) It's quite confronting to sit with your book, especially when it's nonfiction, and just like read it in a small room and just hear your own voice saying your own words. I suppose I work in lots of different media. I just did my first movie back in Ireland, which isn't out yet. And in that, I was saying words that like usually somebody else had written for me and I had to stand in a certain way and I had to look a certain way. With podcasts, I usually am the one asking the questions and I take a more producer role. But with my book and with reading an audio version of my book, it's very much about me and my personal life, I guess, because my book is memoristic. So I think the main difference is it's like me facing myself. (laughs) Yeah, there's strengths and weaknesses to all of those different media. But after this, I really need a drink. (laughs) Yeah, so recording the audiobook, what happens to me a lot is I've, I've only read a word and I haven't said it out loud, which I think is quite common. So that caught me up a few times, especially with the word tchotchkes, because... I really love that word. You know, it means like little knickknacks, little sort of doodads that are around somebody's house. And in the book, I talk about meeting this wonderful woman, Liana, who's a Romanian immigrant and spending time in her house. And her house was full of, as I said, (laughs) I was like, and it wasn't until it came to saying it out loud that I realised I don't know how to say that word. But luckily, Simone, who's directing my audiobook, knew what it was, which is tchotchkes. So now I think I can say it really well. And as soon as I leave the studio, I'm going to try and get it into conversation. Like literally on the subway, I'm going to turn to somebody and be like, want to see my tchotchkes? Although maybe I won't do that. (laughs) That's maybe not advisable. 
narrating my own book, I'm really proud that I didn't like start crying. And I'm really proud that I didn't start laughing too much either. I was trying to take a bit of a step back. It's weird though, because when you're reading it, and I hope that when you listen to it, these pictures, you know, they're conjured up in your head. So it's quite strange not to sink into those pictures and think about the things I did and the people I met and the stories I'm telling and not get too emotionally involved all over again. So I think I'm glad that, yeah, like that I just didn't start bawling crying, especially when I was talking about immigration to the US, which since I've written the book, I think the plight of immigrants has gotten that much more dangerous and there's less compassion even now than there was in the months I was writing the book. And also when I was talking about my nieces, because I just adore them and I write about them a little bit. And in reading about them, yeah, it was hard not to well up because they're such cuties and they're so far away. So if I didn't narrate this book myself, I think I'd really like the Cookie Monster to do it. (laughs) I'm a big fan of his delivery style. I think that sort of gruff cartoonishness would really lend a lot of levity to my book. I don't know about like a famous actor or, or actress doing it. I mean, I think it might just be too much to ask of Tom Hanks. Like, he's so charming, but he's like an old American. No, I think Cookie Monster or me. That's it. So I'm a huge fan of audiobooks. And I listened to this really good British author, Rennie Edo-Lodge. And it's a book about race. And it's why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. And it's kind of the history of race relations in the UK. And she reads it herself. She has like a beautiful way of reading her own work. She has a podcast now too and that like made me listen to her podcast. So I've never actually read her on paper. I've just listened to her and it really helped me internalize like her material. So that was a really cool listen. And then I listened to the 18-hour version of Bruce Springsteen's memoirs. I think it's called Born to Run and there's two parts. And it was so moving. And like You know, I like Bruce Springsteen's music. I've seen him perform and he was incredible, but I'm not a super fan. But this book and the way he reads it, there's such soul in his voice and such feeling. And he's a great writer too. And it's very simply told. I found it really very moving. The thing that I love about audiobooks as opposed to just reading them on the page is that I can take them with me on walks and on journeys and like... Other things can happen while I'm listening, as opposed to when I'm reading, which I'm usually just stock still and just reading. So I quite like the movement that accompanies an audiobook. I also love hearing the voice of the person. If it's memoristic or if it's um, nonfiction, I like hearing the person who's written it, actually. I think for people who listen to my audiobook versus reading me on the page. A funny thing that's been said to me about my writing a lot is that like when people are reading it, they hear it in my voice. And I'm not sure why that is. I think perhaps I write in a conversational style, maybe because I came from a stand-up comedy background. I don't really know. 
I'm thrilled now to actually have it in my voice. <laughs> I think that that would be fun. And I think as well, I'm constantly trying to express myself. Like That's why I'm a writer. And I think for Penguin to make an audio version of my book, it's another way of allowing me to do just that, you know? Hi, this is Fatima Asker. I didn't really realize I was writing a book. I had just been writing separate poems, and then I kind of realized that they had a narrative through line around my family's immigration and my own understanding of what it meant to be American growing up as a child. And I kind of was really fascinated by partition and just kept returning to it. And so once I kind of had the parameters of the book, I decided to really dig deep into partition too and to kind of explore the different facets of partition. Narrating my audiobook was harder than I expected, just because it's really hard to talk for that long. <laughs> you know, I think that that's something that I realized was I'm not used to. Also, I'm used to performing um, my poems, which kind of gives me, like, full use of my body. And so sitting in a chair and knowing that people aren't going to see my body or my hands but are just kind of going to hear my voice, I think, was was a little bit more difficult. And also there's some poems that I just don't really read out loud that often, and so kind of figuring out how to read those out loud was a little bit hard. I realized I had trouble pronouncing pinstriped or pinstriped. We didn't know how to do that. So that was a little hard. But also I think I have a lot of poems that are visual. So I have like some crosswords and some floor plans and figuring out how to kind of communicate the tone of that, those poems with knowing that people weren't going to be visually looking at them was hard to kind of figure out. I think I'm excited about or having people hear the words in my voice, I think it's really easy to kind of like read through something and, and to kind of have a little bit of a disconnect with the author. And so I think that having it in my voice is going to feel like that's a lot closer to people, which is exciting to me. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, if I could actually have someone who was dead, I think I would love it to be in my parents' voice. I think that would be a really, really kind of incredible thing. Um, but in terms of thinking about someone who maybe is a little bit more like a celebrity or more kind of in that route. I'm not sure. I mean, I think that, you know, I adore Priyanka Chopra. So I think that that would be really interesting to hear her read my poems out loud. I also think that like one of my friends, Ness Smith, has one of the best, like just reads poems really beautifully. So I would love to hear them read it as well. This is the author, Mitch Ablett. And my book is The Five Hurdles to Happiness and the Mindful Path to Overcoming Them. So why did I write this book? In essence, I really believe happiness is something that instead of it being a destination or something that you're trying to make happen down the line and you're trying to get to it, there's a totally different way of looking at it. Instead of it being something that you move toward, it's something that you get out of your own way and release. It's already there dormant in us. And it's these patterns that have built up in us over many, many years. We hinder ourselves with what Buddhist psychology would call karma. You know, what that's talking about is your conditioning and your genetics, by the way, how you pay attention to yourself, if at all. We end up repeating certain condition patterns, i.e. karma, that end up clouding and choking off the happiness that is there when we 
get out of the way of ourselves. By the way, I'm not making these up. They've been around for thousands of years, contemplative tradition, Buddhist psychology in particular in this book. But I wanted to apply this to daily life. I wanted to apply it to folks, even if they're not Buddhists. This doesn't have to be a religious thing at all. But it is something that there's a depth of specific mindfulness-based techniques and practices for working with those condition patterns, those five hindrances, that not only helps open up and create awareness and meditation, it creates awareness and openness and eventually happiness in daily life. I just finished recording my audiobook, and if I had to describe what it was like to record the book in one word, I would say humbling. This was a compressed experience that really reminded me, as it did over the period of the year that I wrote the book, that I'm still working on all this myself. You know, there were moments when my own, you know, hindering patterns cropped up. You know, the reading of it brought up a feeling of anxiety, brought up a feeling of restlessness, brought up a, you know, impulse around frustration. And I had to practice what I preach. And it was a reminder of everything that the book is about, which is very meta, but very cool. So another interesting thing that happened while recording is that I realized that after all of these years of meditation practice myself and reading and now teaching and writing about mindfulness, I've been messing up the Dalai Lama's name all along and saying Dalai Lama. That's kind of embarrassing, but good that I know now. One thing I'm really excited for listeners to engage from the book is some of the specific practices. I do feel like I did a fairly decent job of really trying to facilitate the conditions of the mindfulness-related experience that the practice is designed for. So I'm really excited to hear from listeners as to how practices I thought might resonate with folks, whether they did or not. I'm really excited to get feedback of the spoken aspect of guiding the practices. So I do occasionally listen to audiobooks. One book I remember listening to in my car was Jack Kornfield's A Path with Heart, which is a really awesome guide to mindfulness practice, meditation, Jack's work in general. I haven't met him in person. I hope to at some point soon. He's also a psychologist. He's a former Buddhist monk, uh, spent a few years in a forest monastery in Thailand. He tends to use a lot of storytelling. I consulted a compilation of fairy tales and folk tales from around the world. He uses parables and fables. He loves Mullah Nasruddin that I refer to throughout the book. He uses some of those fables a lot. I love the way that when he, in an audio book, is guiding a practice. In my early days of practice, I found his voice and his guidance very useful. So I tend to like audiobooks like that that help deepen my practice, something that's going to inspire, motivate, you know, deepen things for me. So if I were to pick someone to be recording the audiobook other than myself, who would it be? This is kind of a left field answer. It's not a celebrity, but in terms of what would be meaningful, at least to me, 
my son when he's grown. You know, having my son, who's now four, reading my experience at this stage in my life, how I've been hindered and what I want in terms of the opening and the, you know, moving through these patterns instead of staying stuck and reactive, it would be extremely powerful for me, maybe even for others to know it was my son reading that. As the Buddha said, we are all the heirs of our action, that we inherit our karma with how we relate to our experience moment to moment. He's my literal error, and a lot of the conditioning that's in me, he will look at some of that showing up in himself, and uh, it would just be really cool to, that there's a multi-generational aspect in the reading of it. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening.